weren't already aware, this is our annual collegiate kickoff weekend. This is where we invite back and, and welcome back all of the college students from uh, their exile in the summer. Um, and maybe even a lot of our people that aren't college students as well. So we're glad you're here. With that in mind, we decided that we wanted to uh, talk a little bit in a discussion format today about education, vocation, and faith in the city. So we have a great panel, and I want to invite them up at this time. Um, but I also want to tell you uh, that we had a, uh, a good time last night with our, as part of our collegiate kickoff weekend. We had a, a meal here um, and a great program. Uh, make sure that you stay tuned uh, with all of our different social media outlets, and uh, you'll be able to see uh, what's going on, like Advent Hope on Instagram, Advent Hope on Facebook, all over the place. No Snapchat yet. I don't think anybody wants that. So just those two, right? All right. Um, so let's let's uh, get to know our panelists a little bit better uh, before we begin. So let's a we're going to ask you a version of the three questions that we asked Rosie. Okay. So these let's do an abbreviated uh, version of this so that we can get to know you, but still have time to talk. So uh, where are you from? Well, first, what's your name and where are you from? How did you get connected to Avent Hope? And then what is your area of study or your career field? So um, I, I am Alex Espana. I am a freshman at um, Columbia. No, just kidding. Looking good. <laughs> I feel, <laughs> I wish that were true. Um, I'm an associate dean at Columbia University uh, here in New York City, um, obviously working with college students. And um, I came to New York City uh, several years ago. Um, I shared the story. This is a somewhat repeated, so we're going to say this again. It was 2001. I got a call from Columbia. Um, thought about moving to New York, but I was dating a girl from New Jersey. Anybody from New Jersey? Yeah, the sixth borough. Good job. And um, so what happened was we had to make a decision, you know, where are you going the rest of your life? I was a young man then and um, ended up moving to New York, and that girlfriend became my wife. What Aww. are the chances of that? It was crazy. Anyway, so, and so I found Avent Hope um, because I lived on 47th Street. It was Hell's Kitchen um, prior to my big nuptials, and we were looking for churches, and um, someone said, this is a church that has normal people in it. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. And so we came here, and here it was. And there are some normal people that here. Really, that really is the highest praise that you can give a church, is that there's normal people in it. So that's, that's good to hear. Uh, for full, dis full disclosure, since Alex revealed this, we do have an earlier service at which this panel also appeared. They are free to repeat the things that they said in the first service. So this may not be completely original, but I think it'll still be good. <laughs> Who's next? Um, my name is Gabriela Gonzalez. I'm an attorney here in the city. I came to New York to study, uh, to do law school. So that's how I came to New York, and I came to Advent Hope actually when I started working after graduating. I'm Vidrika. I am a PhD candidate at the CUNY Graduate Center. I moved to New York to start that program in sociology, studying race, immigration, and family. And I came to Advent Hope I put a status on Facebook that I'm looking for a church, and someone messaged me and said, you should try Advent Hope. So I started. And if I can, Vidrika, I don't know if you know this, she is a celebrity. Um, you may recognize her from the 6th train, because um, uh, 
when, a couple years ago, we got on the train, and you know uh, they have those ads on, on, the, on the train banners, and it says, this particular one was about college students winning like academic awards, and I just always assumed those were actors. I, I didn't actually know the, good assumption. You know, good, I didn't know they're real people. And then I'm looking, and there, there was Vadrika. And it was like, winner of the highest academic award ever given in the state of New York in the United States of America, global winner scholar. It was fantastic. This was her. So give her a round of applause. <laughs> I recognize that. If you're on the sixth train, look up. They're real people. It could be Vadrika. Hi, everyone. I'm Jonathan. Unfortunately, I've never made it to the six trains. Um, but not yet, not yet. No, it's not my thing. But um, I am originally from Haiti. Uh, my parents moved here um, to the U.S. a few years ago, and we've lived in Florida and Boston. Um, I came to New York uh, for school. I'm at Columbia studying religion, women and gender studies, and I'm doing a minor in political science. Um, and basically, I heard about Advent Hope from a friend in Boston who used to come here, and he recommended it to me. So that's why I'm here, and I stayed since then. All right. Well, let's, let's sort of dive right in. Um, I think a lot of uh, college students, or, or maybe people in general, um, you know, you have those realizations as you get older and you learn more. Uh, man, I wish I had known this when I was younger. So specifically... For, um, for our college students, if there is something that you could tell your younger self when you were trying to decide what it is you're supposed to do with your life, what, what, would, you, what would you tell your younger self? Mm. There's just this, like, this competition yeah, of politeness. Well, I'm the furthest away from my youngest self, so I'll start <laughs> since you're like... Youngest self to Jonathan. Yeah, Jonathan that was, that like, was that like was last, last year. Yeah. Last year, he was like, what, I, what would I told myself last year? Um, I think when it comes to uh, career, I, I think I would have told my younger self there is a, uh, a different financial ceiling between higher education and, let's say, banking. So my younger self might have chosen a different major or career path. Um, but I think, I think one of the key things for, for me, that which I wish I would have done, was probably either found a mentor or communicated more with um, um, people who I looked up to about where I was in life and what I was doing and why I was doing it. Um, I think I come from a generation that was just kind of very independent. You just kind of did your own thing. I used to always joke that I'm not sure that, we're, you know, if my parents knew where I went to college, you know, they, I was gone for a few years. I came home. They're like, where have you been? I'm like, college. And they're like, oh, that's great. I, I got a degree. And and so that's not all true. Like, they kind of knew. But anyway, but the point is, is that I wish that um, throughout my life, at least earlier on, I would have sought out those mentors and um, made those kind of connections. I'd say for my career specifically, there's so many sectors in the law that you can go into, and, and they're all very, very different. But I specialized in um, international human rights with a focus on immigration and asylum and refugee work. And, and I would say that we have a saying in Spanish that says, no one knows what's in the pot except the person stirring it. And there's a lot of stuff that you don't know until you get there that no one can really tell you and prepare you for. But I'd say for my path, I, I would say it's important to have 
a good support system and ways to cope with a lot of the vicarious trauma that you get from the kind of work that you're doing. It is very heavy work. Dealing with people is very difficult and also just being exposed to certain environments and certain situations, it can be very difficult. So it is important for you as a person, if you want to be a healthy person, <laughs> to have ways to deal with that. I would have told my younger self to take a few years off of school, not to go right through. And I would have paid more attention to what are the requirements of the field that I'm looking for, looking at. And I think for me, um, I would definitely tell myself that first, I don't know everything. Um, because I know growing up, uh, I was a very competitive student. Um, and I thought I knew a lot and that I knew how to make the right decisions um, until I got to college, of course. And you know, you're thrown in in the middle of a lot of other competitive students. Um, and, and they all have like their own talents and they're all gifted in their own ways. And I know for myself personally, as a person of color and as an immigrant, there's a lot of expectations on you know, making it and being successful. Um, there's a lot riding on you making it either back home or whatever. Um, and so for me, I always thought I wanted to become a doctor uh, because that was you know, prestigious and you get respect and everything. Um, but then, you know, I never really had a chance to really explore what exactly I wanted to do for myself. Um, and until this year, um, I got a chance to, you know, do everything backwards. Just trust the process, have fun, get to experience your thing. And now I'm doing two majors that I love, religion and gender, um, women and gender studies. And I get to explore my, you know, my identities and you know, engaging with various communities that I probably wouldn't have in, in, in the past. And so for me, um, again, it would be something where I'm like, you know, just do what you feel like it's right for you, regardless of what other people's expectations are. Because at the end of the day, it's your own experience and your own um, process. Yeah, um, along those lines of, of, of trying to uh, find your way or or um, you know, trying to seek help from other people or whatever it is, I think a, a common um, thing, a truism maybe that we would say in the church is that you know, just trust God to guide you and, and you know, it'll all work out. Um, so as, as you have gone throughout your education and your careers, has, has um, your faith been a, a positive impact that has helped you? Have you found that idea to be true? Um, if so, how, or have you said, oh, I haven't really experienced that, um, you know, uh, and if, if that's the case, then what, what is important about your faith for you um, in, in this realm? So, um, based on what Alex said about the subway sign, and I think back about that moment, and it was one of the most spiritually devastating times of my life. Like, you could only apply for that fellowship three times. The first year, I got an honorable mention, and I was like, okay, God, I got it. I'm going to go into this new academic year. I'm going to apply one more time, and it's going to be perfect. Um, and one of my recommendation letters didn't come in. And I was crying that day and calling and emailing, and she never answered me until the next day. She's like, oh, I thought I sent it in. And this is like a big deal. And so I remember thinking at that moment, I don't think I'm going to come back next year because it was my first year of grad school. I was already away from home. I already took out loans. And I was like, at this point, it's just a sign that I shouldn't be here. And I just stopped 
praying, stop talking to God, I was very angry. Um, but the next year, I thought, okay, this is the last time. I might as well try one more time, right? I didn't change anything in my application. I didn't use the same lady. I found another person to write this letter of recommendation. Good idea. Smart, yeah. Good idea. Yeah, <laughs> smart idea. Um, and so this time, I applied. And I didn't think anything of it. I was still angry. But I did start going to Advent Hope at this time, right? Um, and then I won. And I was like, wow, this is really exciting. But the thing that humbled me so much was that they increased the amount of the fellowship the year that I won. And I felt so sad. Sorry. Um, happy. But to everyone else, it seemed like, oh, it just happened. It was that one time when it really was three years of, like, devastation of not getting it. But so that's how, sorry. No, no, no. How my faith really was increased because it was really trying. But, you know. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. I yeah. think that's the whole thing about never giving up, right? And I think as young people, particularly, um, we're not used to sometimes seeing doors shut. I, I don't think any of us are used to it or like seeing it. And sometimes things happen. I know there's the common thing of like, well, you know, when God closes a door, he opens a window or something like that. But I, I, sometimes it just feels like you're in a submarine and it's just sinking. And you're like, there are no windows. And this door opens in... It won't be good. We're in trouble, right? But um, I think that's part of the test, right? And that's part of not even the test of our faith, but just, just the journey of life and um, um, the whole idea of whatever happens, putting it in God's hands. And, you know, sometimes it's great. Sometimes it works out wonderfully. And other times you just pick up the pieces and you move on. But I think that's part of what, you know, the college experience is like, your spirituality um, I think for a lot of college students, you know, they tie in um, going to church as being a Christian. So you get to college and you're like, well, I'm not going to church anymore, so I guess I'm not a Christian, you know, and that's not it, right? That's not what faith is about. Um, it's about that relationship. It's about um, having that faith and understanding that um, God's with you, whether you're in church or you're not in church or you're, you know, doing whatever you're doing, really. If I can add, I'm so inspired by what you just shared, and I think that's something that needs to be highlighted, the fact that this journey is so difficult. Um, and many of us come from, you know, immigrant families or parents that didn't have the best situation. I came from a home with a single mom, and when I came here, I took out loans, and I, I, you feel that pressure, right? You're like, I, I, God, we need to make this work, <laughs> and this needs to happen, and, and there's times of anger. Um, I'm going to be honest, I, I didn't pass the bar on the first time, you know, and, and, and you're working and you're trying to make things work. You don't have a safety net. Like these things are real and, and they're difficult situations. You have rent to pay. You have only so much money to take an exam again or to put another application in. And so, you know, I, I can say that it's so key that even through that anger, I call it these moments of dark faith, because faith is a journey. Faith isn't when everything is great, but when you go through those moments of darkness, still you know that God is there, and it's that knowledge, and even if you don't want to talk to him, whatever it may be, knowing that he's there and that he's guiding you, makes all the difference in the end because we know just as what happened to you, God provides and God is faithful 100%. Yeah, uh, thank you all for, for sharing. On that, on that note, um, as, as you have tried to 
trust God or, or, or put faith even, even in these door-closed moments, has there been a spiritual practice that has, in particular, that has helped um, with that? You know, has it has been, been prayer? Has it been Christian fellowship? Has it been, you know, worship or, or something else? Has there been a spiritual practice that has helped you um, with that trust and, and with putting that faith as you go through this journey? So I shared, I shared it earlier. Is my mic on? Is my mic on? Hello? Okay, so I shared earlier how, for me, um, one thing that helps or that I find helpful is to take long walks um, and just, you know, speak to God. And sometimes it can be in my own head, just like secretly, or just if I feel the need to speak out loud, just trying to, you know, communicate with God and tell him exactly how I'm feeling. Um, especially um, since I feel like there are certain spaces where, you know, certain conversations I cannot have with anyone else. And the only time I can have those conversations by myself with God. Um, and so, you know, it just helps me to be in my head sometimes by myself, walking, talking to God, you know, hearing him speak to me back. Um, because sometimes we're so, I myself personally, I need to remove myself from spaces like church. Um, although I, feel, I know what their purpose is, but for someone like me, and maybe I'll share some other time, um, you know, it may not be the safest space sometimes. And, you know, sometimes I need to remove myself, just be with God, communicate with him, and get that validation and that trust that he's with me and that I'm supposed to continue on in this walk, in this journey. Um, because, one, he approves of me and he loves me and that I'm not by myself. I shared that, you know, when I, when I first came to the city, I went to different churches. I was a member of different churches, and I was active in those churches, but I'm being honest. I didn't feel like I clicked in these churches, and I honestly didn't have friends. Um, law school was a big transition. I was living by myself for the first time, and I, I didn't feel like I had that support system, and sometimes I was exhausted and drained, and sometimes, honestly, I didn't feel like going to church. But something that I always forced myself to do, even on the days when it was pouring rain, I just didn't feel like it. I would get up, get dressed, and go to church, even if I knew that no one was going to see me, no one was going to miss me. And, and I think even though in that moment when I was frustrated and maybe lonely, I didn't feel like it was making a difference, I see how that changed me, and it did make a difference. And there's a saying that says, don't let anyone rob you of your blessing. And I knew that this was between me and God, not between me and anyone else. And when I would go to church on Sabbath, he met me there every time. Um, you mentioned earlier, Alex, uh, changing gears a little bit, this idea of, of you don't have to figure this thing out on your own. Right, talk to people. Uh, you, you wish you had done more of that. Um, so, has has there been a relationship in any of your lives where you have been mentored well, and what did that look like? Or have you had the opportunity to mentor someone, and and what did that look like? If so, I can start that one. I 
I came to the law school that I went to because there was a specific clinical program that I wanted to be a part of. That's why I chose it. They offered me a partial scholarship, and I was like, I'm going to be a part of that program. Thing was that they usually didn't accept second-year students, and I was a second-year student, and I, uh, that was when you could start doing clinics, and I was like, I'm getting in. So I did the interview, and I got in by God's grace. And the leader of the clinic, she is an amazing attorney. She does human rights, she did human rights cases. Her name is Sherry Rosenberg. Her parents were Holocaust survivors and I was so inspired by the cases that she had litigated in the international courts. And to be honest, when I met her, she was such a rough woman. She was so mean and so difficult. And I remember I was like, man, this is not what I thought it would be. And we worked very closely. I speak French, and so we had a lot of Francophone clients, and I would help her with some of her own personal cases by being an interpreter. So we grew very close, and we developed an incredible friendship, and she was an incredible mentor, and I will never forget Sherry Rosenberg, and she actually, when you receive a doctorate, you get a doctoral hood, and you can choose a professor to give you your doctoral hood. And she was going to hood me, but she actually passed away like two weeks before graduation, and no one knew she was sick. She did, but she never shared that. But I remember we shared so many special moments, and I'm just so grateful to God that he gave me the opportunity to work with this woman before she passed and that it was, I think, a life-changing relationship for both me and her, and I'll always be grateful for that. I'll show a little bit about um, the mentorship that I've received so far. Um, it doesn't look like exactly what you were talking about, but it was someone who has been very instrumental to my growth. Um, so, I'll show a little bit, I said I, I would share something later, but I identify as a career Christian. And so with that, you know, on top of being, you know, black, an immigrant, and also queer, and also Christian, it's a lot. Um, and so, one thing that I had to learn is, you know, while trying to engage in rigorous coursework, um, that I don't have to figure this out by myself. And so reaching out and asking for help, and I was lucky enough to find a great therapist, someone that I could trust, I could sit with, talk to, and who could help me figure things out and embrace myself genuinely for who I was. And you know, by living my life genuinely, try to be a light to other people. Um, and so this therapist has been nothing but amazing. And I don't think without her, I would be where I am today. Um, and like I, like I shared, um, being a Christian is great, but sometimes church is not the answer. Praying to God um, isn't always the go-to, at least for me. And sometimes we need therapists, we need friends, we need other people to open up with and help us out in our journeys. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I mean, that, that's why I married a therapist, really, because, you know, every night I can roll over. You know what happened today? Can I? No. But I, I will say... I think the, when it comes to like the mentoring and the, and the whole idea of mentorship, it's like for me, it's, it's not like a hat that I put on and be like, well, now I'm going to be a mentor, you know. Um, I think all of us are mentors. I think all of us have those relationships, those friendships really where we take the time to talk to somebody, right? And that's really where mentoring happens. It's not like a, 
And in my experience, it's never been something where, like, you know, again, you put the hat on and we schedule every Tuesday and we hang out and we mentor. Um, it's, it's when you have that opportunity to talk to someone. And more importantly, when you have the opportunity to listen to somebody. Because you'll be surprised how many times people just want someone uh, to listen to them. And in New York City in particular, where everyone's super busy, there's not a lot of time, um, it's sometimes difficult to want to you know, get together and just hang out and talk. But that's something that I think is a precious commodity in the city. And when you find those people that you can do that with and just you know, hang out and talk. You know, sometimes in our neighborhood, we get together with, you know, Nick and Danny, and we'll, we'll just go out and we'll hang out. I, I wouldn't say that's a mentoring uh, situation per se, but it's a great opportunity to hang out with friends and talk, right? And you talk a little bit about everything. And I think that's um, part of what makes the, the Christian experience a valuable one, because I think that's what Jesus did as well, right? I mean, he hung out, he went to parties, he went to, like, you know, weddings and... and, and other things. I'm, he's the theologian over there. But anyway, he, he hung out a lot. And I think that's one of the cool things about um, our walk is that that's how you do it. You just hang out, you get to know people, and um, you grow together that way. Yeah. Um, thank you all for sharing. Um, as we wind down, um, I want to ask a, a question kind of in response to something you said, Jonathan, that, that church is maybe not always the safest place uh, for you. And I'm, I'm sure that other people have shared that experience so um, the question I would want to ask is, in this definition of church, right, we, there's, it means a lot of different things depending on the context, right? It can mean the physical building that you go have a worship service in. It can mean a local community of people. It can mean a global denomination uh, and, and structure of belief. And it can mean things in between that. So um, with any of those definitions, um, have you, uh, do you have a particular experience that you could share um, where one of those definitions of church has either been a great source of, of, of help along your, your path of faith or has either maybe been a hindrance. Uh, what has your experience, share a particular story uh, with us of your experience of how the church in one of those definitions has either helped along that journey or, or maybe um, stood in the way sometimes. Jonathan doesn't have to go. He just did. So it's... it's so sometimes I think of church um, as a relationship between me and my mom. She is one of the most religious, spiritual people I've ever met, but she doesn't force it upon you. Well, as much as a Haitian mother cannot force something on you, right? Um, but every time I go visit her, it feels like this recharged situation where there's always gospel music playing. She's always talking about how wonderful God is, or she'll just call and she's like, I gotta tell you how good God is. And it's the most basic thing that happened to her. Like, oh, you know, someone came in today and they were talking to me and I had a really great time. And just the fact that she has so much joy out of that little moment and the joy that she wants to share, that is church to me. And I look for that feeling when I go to different churches. And so in that way, it's been a blessing or a help to me, church in that sense. I think for, um, for me, it was the opportunity, again, when I moved to the city, I was uh, a younger guy, and um, I think the church, particularly this church, but there are other churches that are out there that allow um, young people to get involved as they are, right? And I think that was something that I had never really experienced before in a church, because I think oftentimes 
it's always like, well, once you have the you know, 28 fundamental beliefs memorized, you're ready to go and you can be a uh, worship participant or something like that. And um, this church was one where it allowed uh, me and, and the friends that I had here at the time um, to, to just get involved with the way you were, right? Regardless of what you were going through, regardless of um, where you were in life. I know uh, Derek played an instrumental role um, in getting me uh, involved here years ago. Uh, I had a, a situation where it was one of my first weekends here. It was communion. You guys know what communion is, right? You, the washing of the feet, very unique to Adventism. I, I was like new, I was solo. I was like, okay, I'll go and uh, do this communion thing. It went downstairs and the guy who, who I washed his feet, I washed his feet and, and wrapped it up and then he just left right? And he left and I'm sitting there with a bowl and my feet are bare in this bowl of cold water. And I'm like, this is awkward because the guy left who was going to wash my feet and Derek, I don't know if Derek's still here. Derek came over and, and washed my feet despite good old George leaving me high and dry. I just added his name. Anyway, um, but that, that right there alone, the fact that Derek came over and, and washed my feet while I was sitting there in the bowl, um, changed my life a little bit in that it was like, oh, this is cool. Like normally, I don't know what would have happened. I was about to put my socks on and just leave. Um, but it really, uh, to me, told me that this is a church that was full, full of servant leaders, right? People who had no problem um, being a servant leader. And Derek is, of course, the, the uh, example of that in my life. So um, it's just being allowed to, to be here, be who you are, and, and meet people who um, will help guide and mentor you and Wash your feet during communion. Thank you, Derek. Amen. Um, we, we've run out of time, and, and so the last question I want to ask is, is one for the panel, but also uh, one for everyone um, in the congregation as well, and it's a rhetorical question. Um, if, if you could imagine or, or paint a picture of what you think God's plan or God's idea for what church or Christian life means for you in the city, what, what does that look like? If you, if you were to remove any of the obstacles that you maybe have experienced in the past, or you were to, to take away maybe the bad things um, that have happened to you in a context of faith, and just dream about what God's vision for your life of faith and for your community of faith is, what would that look like? So as our worship team uh, comes back up to continue uh, leading us, and as our uh, panel goes uh, back to their seats, thank you once again. Let's give a round of applause to the panel. As we continue throughout this, this day and, and honestly for the rest of our lives, let's try to answer that question together so that we as individuals and as a community can grow into that vision uh, that God has for us both within the explicit context of faith that we're in this morning, but also in our workplaces, at school, and the rest of our lives. <laughs>